Amen. We come this morning to Acts chapter 4. If you have your Bible, you can begin flipping there to the New Testament book of Acts and chapter 4. I will tell you up front that Acts chapter 4 is a particularly power-packed story, um, one that very much talks about the boldness that we are invited to as believers by the grace of Jesus and very much the power of the Holy Spirit. What we're going to see here in just a moment in Acts chapter 4 is the very first persecution. That is in the history of the church and in the history of Christianity, this passage opens the door for the very first moment that an authority, that an influencer, that someone says, do not talk about Jesus. It's not the last time it's going to happen either. In Acts 5, 6, and 7, in fact, throughout the book of Acts, throughout the remainder of the New Testament, throughout history to this very day, persecution, pushback against the gospel continues to be a very real reality. But what we are going to see here is the foundation and the instruction from Scripture this morning. Acts is going to show us very clearly the world system. It's going to show us how the world wields its power, but then it's going to show you Jesus. And it's going to show you Jesus' kingdom, the way that he carries himself as king and as ultimate authority in our lives and in our world. So let us hear the word of Scripture this morning, Acts chapter 4, and I'll begin in verse 1 and read all the way through verse 22. And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, came upon the apostles that were sharing Greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in the midst, they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, By what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. But when they had commanded them to leave the council, They conferred with one another, saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. 
But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. For all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Thus far, the reading of God's word. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for such an, an astonishing passage, Lord. The words of Scripture speak to what it is well. Father, let our hearts be amazed by you, by your power, by your truth, and as always, by your grace, Father. And so would you teach us this morning, draw us into your presence now by your word and by your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Four ways this morning that Peter's story is our own story today. Peter's story here is our own story today. Number one, the authorities. Number one, the authorities, and to quote the scripture here, they were greatly annoyed because they, the apostles, were proclaiming Jesus. We see this in verses one through six in particular. Here we have the powerful majority against the faithful few. The believers were very few in number. They are just a very small cross-section of Jewish people, let alone in the world. And humanly speaking, understand that these believers were powerless. Peter's already told us, I have no money. They have no influence. They have no authority. They have no political standing. They have no social platform. But in verse 1, right off the bat, Luke, the author of Acts, tells us about those who have joined against the believers, who they are and what they are about. First, there are the priests, which was a powerful upper-class group who had actively worked towards the plot and murder of Jesus. That is who they are up against. Then we're told the captain of the temple guard is there. The temple guard are the actual soldiers who arrested Jesus. The captain would have been the second most powerful person in all of Jerusalem in submission ultimately to Rome. These are not random people. These are the power holders in that city. Then to mention the Sadducees. The Sadducees are are one of at least three very powerful, influential cultural worldviews at the time in and around Israel. These guys were the powerful educators Um, They specifically denied the resurrection, not just the resurrection of Jesus, but the idea of resurrection in general, and they most certainly rejected Jesus. They also had been very uh, shrewd in their dealings, and they had made friends and allies with the Romans, and so they were in a particularly powerful uh, position, and their pocketbooks were very full because of it. These are the people who immediately, upon hearing what Peter and John are doing, throw them into prison. There's no due process. They are sent to prison. And then the next day comes. And we're told in verse 5 that they invited their buddies to come and pile on. 
Next, we have what is called the rulers, who would have been the Jewish government in that area. The elders, who were the key influencers in the city, and the scribes, who are most likely teachers of the law, something very akin to the Pharisees, and it was their job to not only write, copy the scripture, but to know it by heart. Then in verse 6, we have Annas the high priest and Caiaphas, who was the puppet high priest that the Romans had installed to replace Annas, and both of them are still highly influential. Both of them actively, in all four Gospels, we're told, conspired to have Jesus killed. Do you uh, keep count there? Their family shows up as well, just to really fill out the group. There are 11 distinct groups powerful groups, influential, authoritative groups who have all ganged up together to tell Peter and John, former fishermen turned apostles, to be quiet. Stop talking about Jesus. That is their problem. Be very clear here throughout this passage. Their problem is not with the miracle. That is not their issue. They have no problem with healing They do not mind that physical and social needs are being cared for. Their problem is that they are teaching and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. They are not okay with that because it threatens their authority. It begins to unmask the reality of their sin. It begins to show that they are not enough in themselves. It begins to show the reality that the power to change the world is not in fact in them. That the power to change the world is, in fact, in Jesus. Peter and John were teaching and working miracles with a new kind of authority. It was an authority from Jesus. The people are listening. The people believe. They see a miracle. They are witnesses to it. Jesus is being proved yet again that he was who he says he was. He is who he says he is. And so the authorities have gathered to silence the gospel. But, you see verse 4? Six verses of all of these enemies of the gospel piling on together with all of their various forms of power, but in verse 4, God is the real authority. You see that? In this Goliath-sized list of enemies, it says, but believers are proclaiming. New people are believing and new people are being saved. And it gives us even the numbers. It says 5,000 more people have come to faith. Remember Acts chapter 1. The first time that Peter preaches the gospel, 3,000 people give their lives to King Jesus. Now, three chapters later, we're talking about days or weeks have taken place. Another 5,000 people have come to Christ. The gospel is spreading like wildfire. And so, despite a corrupt government here, despite a legalistic, false religious establishment Despite social elites in positions of power and authority, the gospel continues to save lives. Peter's story is our story. Number two, first we see the authorities. Number two, we get the Q&A. There is a question and answer session between these authorities and Peter and John. We see this in verses 7 through 12 in particular. Their question, by what power or by what name did you do this? In other words, when they ask power and name, they're saying, by whose authority 
are you doing what you are doing? And they have an answer. Jesus. That's his answer. Peter, notice first of all, Peter doesn't make it about himself, does he? Peter is under absolutely no delusion, nor should we be, where his power comes from, where his hope comes from. It is not about Peter and his legacy of speaking or ability. It's not even the fact that he was used to do the miracle. Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember Acts chapter 1-8, we will continue to come back to this foundational verse that really sets the whole book apart. Acts 1-8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And the result, you will be my witnesses. What will the power manifest? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Again, in Acts, every mention of being filled with the Holy Spirit results not in speaking in unknown tongues, but it results in speaking and boldly proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Peter then, in moving to answer their question, first he says, if we are being interrogated for healing someone, then I will gladly answer your question. But I don't think that's really what this is about. I don't think your concern ultimately is this good deed, he calls it, that we have done. But regardless, we want everyone to know the power and the name that we do this miracle is only the name of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, real guy. You remember him, don't you? You killed him four weeks ago. Comma. He could have ended right there, right? He could have just said, you asked a question, by, by whose name do we do, do these things? Jesus, period. I have nothing else to say. I'm going to plead the fifth at this point. My relationship with God, Christianity, is really a private thing. It's just for me. I don't really want to talk to anybody else about it. But he didn't. He put a comma there. Oh, what a comma. No, Peter does not stop. Peter is compelled by the power of the Holy Spirit by the reality of the grace that he has experienced in his own life, he will not stop preaching about Jesus. He is all hopped up on Holy Spirit Mountain Dew. He's ready to go. He's excited. He is pumped to share the good news. Why? Listen to what Jesus says. Jesus warned him in advance. Jesus warned all the believers. This is Mark chapter 13 in the Gospels. Jesus says this, Be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils, and you will be beaten in synagogues, and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. What a promise Peter is holding on to in this world-changing moment where Peter could have just been silent. He answers their question with the gospel by the power of the Holy Spirit coming from the Word of God. His story is our story. Notice that he immediately does what he cannot help doing. He's a preacher at heart, and he preaches a four-point sermon to the enemy. 
His four points, essentially, I'm going to say them quickly, so don't even try to write them down, but his four points are, you are guilty of crucifying Jesus. How's that for an opener? Jesus rose from the dead. God's purpose was established in spite of your attack. And Jesus is the only way to salvation. Ooh, I'm fighting words. Do not be confused about why the world and the authorities thereof do not like the gospel. Did you hear what he said there? Those are his four points. It begins with the humbling reality that we are all sinners in need of God's grace. He says, the stone that you builders rejected has become the capstone. That is why Jesus came to die, to pay the just penalty for my rejection of Jesus. Peter is not just talking about them. Peter remembers very well. He himself betrayed and denied Jesus as well. Peter is a sinner too. I am a sinner too. But our world does not like the reality of sin. Then he adds on the fact that the resurrection of Jesus, that miracle really happened. That is not what they want to hear. The world rejects the idea of miracles, chief of all that Jesus rose from the dead, that Jesus sprang up from the grave and therefore so can you, that you can have new life and eternal life. And that despite your will, he's speaking again to these people, despite your will to stop Jesus, God, in fact, in his goodness and sovereignty, has used your worst for the world's best. He has used your efforts to hang him on a cross to bring salvation to the world. And it was not a, a moment where God went, oh, man, I did not see that coming. What do I do now? No, 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 no. God has sovereignly ordained all that has come to pass for his good purposes. And then it ends with the reality that Jesus is the only way to heaven. He is the one true Savior, the one true God. And salvation is only through his perfect life laid down to save us from our sinful lives. I can't make my own way to salvation. I can't choose an alternate route to heaven. He's explaining to them again with this man standing next to him who has just been healed, this lame man who now stands before them. He's saying, you and I spiritually are lame. In fact, we're more than lame. Ephesians 2.1 says that we are spiritually dead in our trespasses and sins, but God, not me, has done a miracle and he now stands before you, alive and made well. Let Jesus do that same work in you, spiritually raising you from death to life because Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. I've shared with you before that uh, when I was a short-term missionary in Mexico, I was beginning to learn Spanish and I was trying to figure out how do I learn and how do I begin to evangelize in a city, in a culture, Mexico City, where I don't yet speak the language. And so I took my Spanish Bible with me every day when I would get on the subway system and I would intentionally uh, open it up. Uh, the subway system was packed and in so doing, people could, I hoped, read over my shoulder 
and see the Word of God. And in the meantime, what I was doing was reading passages and memorizing Scripture that clearly stated the gospel message so that even if I couldn't have a conversation, I could at least speak to them in their language the Word of God. One of the first verses that I memorized was Acts 4.12. Y en ningún otro nombre hay salvación, porque no hay otro nombre bajo el cielo dado a los hombres para ser salvo. In English, Acts 4.12, the gospel communicates there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's the Q&A. Number three, the threat. Don't speak at all in the name of Jesus. And you can imagine a parenthetical or else. This is verses 13 through 18 in the passage. What did these people, in varying elements of authority, cultural expression, what did they see in the apostles? Well, first of all, we're told what they're thinking and seeing. They said, these guys are filled with boldness. They're not afraid of us. But then they also immediately say that they're uneducated, that they are common. They don't mean that they are ignorant. This is actually not that uh, deriding of a term. They mean they haven't gone to the top Ivy League schools like we have. They mean these guys are ordinary people who are speaking boldly and with authority. Guys, their story is our story. We are an ordinary people filled with an extraordinary grace by the power of an extraordinary God. You don't have to have a postgraduate degree from Harvard. You don't have to capture the room with your eloquent public speaking. Just simply be faithful to the one who has been faithful to you and speak boldly the truth. And notice here that the most powerful people in this country, a country, Israel, that has completely rejected Jesus, this is a godless nation, when they hear Peter and John speak of the gospel, the Bible says that they were astonished. The Bible says that many came to believe as they listened and as they heard because there was a reality that they could not and would not deny. Nobody there could deny the fact that this guy who was lame is now healed. Luke goes out of his way to say he's standing right there. And so the authorities say we can't deny it, the miracle. We can't deny the miracle. But then they say in the very next breath, we must not let it spread any further. The miracle? We can't have people getting healed? No. We can't have the gospel. We can't have speaking and teaching about Jesus, the King of Kings. That must stop. So they say, stop. Stop talking about Jesus. The worldly powers, corrupt governments, so-called educated False religions, the social elites resorted to the only thing that they have, which is power without conscience. What do they do? Well, first they try intimidation. They throw them in jail for the night, hoping that Peter and John would be discouraged and give up quietly. 
James Montgomery Boyce in his commentary on Acts says this, the world continues to operate this way, and that is one reason why the witness of Christian people often fails or is given in an ineffective way. If Christianity is true, it is the greatest message in the world. Yet we are afraid to proclaim it. And the major reason is the world's intimidation. Second, they throw questions at them, hoping to make them shrink back in some way. doesn't work. And so third, they threaten, stop or else. Their story is our story. We can so easily be intimidated and we become afraid that the world will dislike us, that the world will unfriend us, that the world will make fun of us or ask a question that we don't quite know how to answer, that they will reject us or, or maybe even accuse us falsely. While around the world, believers every day experience jail, beatings, and death. It's all to one form or another, one degree or another, persecution. Understand that the heartbeat behind persecution, the intention of persecution is to make you stop talking about Jesus. What does Jesus say? John 15, Jesus says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Okay, Jesus, you got anything else? John 16, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Jesus saying, I have done for you what you can never do on your own, salvation. Jesus saying, I have done for you what you can never do on your own, which is live the Christian life. I will lead you and love you, and I will never forsake you in it, which is why Peter and John give us the response, number four. The response. We will not stop talking about Jesus. This is verses 19 through 22. Peter says this, whether it is right to obey you, you must judge. When the powers that be forbade the apostles from doing what God had specifically told them to do, Peter and John, get this, acknowledged that they had authority. Did you hear that? They acknowledge that these people have authority. But if you ask us not to do something that God says to do, we will not comply. I don't know if you've noticed, guys, we are a culture who loves to rebel all the time, even in moments when we clearly should submit. We are also, at the same time, somehow, curiously, a culture who loves to say, whatever the state says, I will do. It is curious. What does the scripture say? First of all, 1 Peter 2 and Romans 13 make it clear we ought to submit to our authorities under our greater submission to God. When Jesus was on trial, you want an example? Let's look at Jesus on trial. Under Pilate, Pilate says to Jesus, don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? What did Jesus say? Jesus did not deny that Pilate had authority. It's interesting, isn't it? But he reminded Pilate where Pilate's authority comes from. Jesus says this, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you 
from above. All, all earthly authority is granted by God. And all of those in authority, on any level, from government to moms and dads in their home, we are responsible and accountable to God for how we use it. So, the powers that be here in their various forms say, stop talking about Jesus. Nah. Stop talking about Jesus or we will make your life uncomfortable. No. Stop talking about Jesus or we will kill you. No. We will not stop talking about what we have seen and heard, says Peter. The lame walk, the blind see, the dead are raised to life, salvation for sinners like me is in the name of Jesus, and so I will not be silent. Remember the Old Testament? King of Babylon, the three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? You will, guys, you will bow down and worship me as God, or else I will throw you into the fire. Daniel chapter 3. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Short version, nah. So the powers threatened. And then they let them go. That day, they were empty threats. We're going to hurt you if you don't let them go. They did nothing. It's not always going to be empty threats, not an axe and not in our life. Sometimes the threats are not empty. But in this case, we are told that the authorities could not punish them because all the people already knew what was true. Everyone saw the healing. Everyone heard the message, and many believed. The world thinks that it can stop the movement of the Holy Spirit and the movement of Christianity and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It cannot. It cannot. It did not stop Jesus. He is not dead, and it will not stop us. The more the church is oppressed, the more the church grows and expands. Justin Martyr in the first century wrote, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. You know, this very week in October, back in 1536, William Tyndale, you know William Tyndale? William Tyndale was strangled and burned at the stake. What was his crime? He translated the Bible into English so that the common people could hear God's word, read it, understand it, and believe. And for that, he was burned alive. The last words that he said on this earth were these, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. Oh, that we might have courageous brothers and sisters in Christ like him. Cannot do it ourselves. 
is the grace of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let's pray together.